Thanks for joining us for this podcast. We hope that it inspires you to follow Jesus. You can find out more about the life and ministry of City Lights Church and how you can connect with us at city-lights.church. I'm so glad to be at church this morning. And uh, for me, I grew up in church pastor's kid and missionary kid. And I would have, I had some time if I, if I wanted to, to get off the church train, you know what I mean? You can choose whether or not you be here. But one of the things that I love about coming to church is that this is an environment of life. It's an environment where we can get our eyes off ourselves and our everyday circumstances and put our eyes on Jesus and also look around at the amazing people that we have in our life. So thank you so much for being here. Uh, if we haven't met, my name's Andrew and with my beautiful wife, Rebecca, we are so privileged to lead this church and we absolutely love it. So today we're continuing our series, which is called Better Decisions. I don't know if you knew this, but every day, every person makes about 35,000 decisions. Now, many of those are subconscious. Many of the, the things are just there. We're, we're on automatic or autopilot, but some of those are weighty. And I reckon right now with a group this size, there are people here who are dealing with the results of either your own decisions or sometimes other decisions in good ways. Sometimes you might even be here today and you're like, hey, I'm here, but there's some things going on in my life. And I'm glad that you're here. And hopefully by the presence of the Holy Spirit and the teaching of the word, you can leave this place encouraged. So we've got thousands and thousands of decisions. But the reason that we're taking this time in this series to open up the Bible together is that we don't often stop to think about how we can make better decisions. So we're making all these decisions, but we don't often stop to think how we can make better ones. Now, last week, I introduced this concept and this word that is so helpful for us to make better decisions. And the word is wisdom. In the Bible, if there is one thing that the Bible de defines and describes that will help us to make better decisions in our life, it is this. It is the word wisdom. Now, wisdom is interesting, and I, I love wisdom Wisdom is not a set of rules. The Bible is not a bullet point checklist for your life. It's not that. Wisdom, what we see, wisdom is personal and contextual. Because in a certain circumstance, what is wisdom for me to do is not wisdom for you to do. But we see as we go deeper into this concept, we see that it's, it's not just a set of rules, it's not a set of bullet points for life, but it is something much more. Do you know what else wisdom isn't? Wisdom isn't a crystal ball or a future prediction. I don't know if any of you have seen uh, the movie Back to the Future. Has it seen that? It's a little bit older now. I know I'm dating myself, not going out to dinner with myself, but not that kind of dating. But I'm showing my age. Okay, sorry. I'll come back. I'm showing my age. But Back to the Future is essentially, it, it's a movie about 
how different decisions can influence the future, right? So if you, you've seen it, you may know there's the characters. You've got Marty McFly. You've got the DeLorean, which is this kind of time machine car that they go in. And so there's this interchange where they're going back and forth to try and change the future. Sometimes a little trial and error, they realize that they made a mistake. And this is what happens in Back to the Future 2. The bad guy, whose name is Biff Tannen, he finds a way to steal, uh, to, to jump in the time machine, and he goes back and gives himself this sport almanac with all the results of all the sports for about 50 years. And so he uses that. He is, I'll use this word, big word, nefarious, okay? He's a nefarious character. He's a kind of evil character, and he's the baddie, and he goes back, and he builds this kind of gambling empire, becomes a multi-multi-millionaire based on this information. Now, wisdom is not that. God is not going to give you that, right? He's not going to... That is not the purpose. It is not a crystal ball. And I would even say this, and hang with me for a little bit. Wisdom is even more than the voice of God. Ooh, controversial. Wisdom is more than the voice of God in the same way that a tree is more than the seed it was planted out of. Because wisdom actually is not just what we are told, but is what we are taught and how that teaching becomes maturity in our life. Does that make sense? Is that God doesn't just want to uh, kind of give you, be this little, I don't know if you watch those spy shows where they have the little earpiece, right? Let me give you an example. So just say one of my kids, my daughter was at the canteen and the person in front of her, the student in front of her dropped a $50 note. In that case, would I want her to ring me up and say, Dad, somebody dropped a $50 note. What should I do about it? No, I would hope that she knows enough to say, if someone drops a $50 note, you give it back to them. And so, yes, it is important for us to know how to hear the voice of God, but something that is as important, even more important, is that we allow the Word of God to go deep within our lives, that we know God's love, that we become like Jesus, and by that we discern what's best. That's what it says in Philippians chapter 1. All right, the end of Philippians chapter 1, it says, you know God, you become like Jesus, and you are able to discern what is best. So wisdom is really this transformative process where we have deep character formation that we actually know the heart of God and we know what it is to live out in the way that God would cause us to live. Does that make sense? This is this unfolding picture of wisdom, which I think is really beautiful. Because if you have confidence in certain situations and circumstances that God has produced within you Christ-like character, man, that takes a lot of pressure off. Because you, you can say, yes, God, there are times that, you know, I, I want to be in close connection with the voice of God. I'm always praying, I'm asking God. But so many things as I mature as a Christian, I'm like, I know 
I know the heart of God. I have confidence. And that is God's hope for each and every one of you, that you grow in wisdom in this Christ-like character. So this is what part of what wisdom means. And I think, I think it's beautiful. I encourage you to study the Proverbs and allow, meditate on those uh, wise sayings that we see there. Today, we are going to talk about fear. Now, we can talk about fear, but I'm sure that each and every one of us have felt that kind of unpleasant emotion, that kind of twisting of the, the gut, the internals that fear represents. And fear plays a huge part in our decision-making process. Who would agree? We make decisions about with regards to fear. Now, I, I'm not here to say, hey, face your fears, jump off the cliff. You know what I mean? Like sometimes our fear is actually really healthy and helpful for stopping us getting killed, right? So if you're on the edge of a cliff, it's a little bit rocky, and you feel fear, you're probably going to want to take a couple of steps back. If you've got some kids with me, as I usually do, I'm going to want to hold on to them a little bit tighter. All right. That is fear. But fear plays a decision-making part in the decision-making process. And today we want to talk about what part it should play. So it plays a part. I'm not sure if it always plays the right part. In the book of Proverbs, there are five different types of fears that are mentioned in the group of Proverbs. So there's 23 verses that have the word fear in it, talking about five different categories. Okay, The first we see here, go through these quickly, you can look these up, it's fear of harm. Okay, Not wanting to see yourself or people around you get hurt. Pretty good, right? Disaster. Not wanting to see your life ruined. The fear of what they call the fear of man, but it's the fear of other people's approval. What, what people, other people's approval, disapproval, any people pleasers in the house, you don't have to say that, but the fact that I've asked you to means that you're probably going to anyway. Oh, he, he, said, I, he said I should. Uh, and uh, in Proverbs 31, 21, it's a fear of lack. So not having enough resources. And so we're going to have a look at this, and I'm going to share a few stories from the journey of planting this church, which is probably the biggest decision that I've had to make because of some of the risks involved in that. Now, when we st started the church, uh, I started taking a step of faith. So as a full-time volunteer, no financial support. We didn't have team at that stage. It was just a couple of people in a lounge room. That was what we felt God called us to do. God spoke to us about planning a church many, many years ago. And uh, we surrendered that dream to God, but he, he asked us to, to take it up and, and to do what you're, you're now part of, what we're, what we're here as part of. And so I took a step of faith as a full-time volunteer, but I also like, was like, I need to get some paid work. And so I started to look 
go quite down down the path to look at getting one day's uh, a week's work with a Christian non for profit organization based in Melbourne. It's probably like small to medium size. And as I started to go down the process, it kind of it 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 wasn't working out. So I don't know if you've ever had that feeling where you kind of you think that something's good, but as you kind of keep walking down it kind of things start expanding and floating and that was what I was feeling and so I was there was something like I felt that fear and I couldn't sleep very well which is unusual for me so awake at night with these fears and the two fears that I had was the fear of lack like not having enough money so like I I didn't feel it was right, not in a moral sense, but just I didn't feel like, even though it started off well, this is where God was leading me. And then I was also fearful of like, okay, well, I didn't want to lead these people on. We'd had a lot of conversations. Um, they'd actually flown me down to, to Melbourne to visit and and so all that kind of like stuff. And so I've got this fear of others approval and this fear of like okay but i don't think this is right but i i still need the money one of the key challenges for fear is that fear is both rational and irrational so it's rational and irrational now part of when it tips into irrational that's when anxiety becomes involved. One of the definitions, listen to this, of anxiety. Anxiety is an excessive and unfocused fear that may be triggered by a variety of stimuli. Now, if you're a human, you experience anxiety in some way. All right. So it's not like there's a category of people. It's just whether there's a healthy or unhealthy level of anxiety in your life so fear there's a there's a component of fear which is like there is danger ahead there's a warning sign if you do this you are going to hurt yourself but there's also this like other part which is our perception of danger and rational and irrational you kind of get what i'm saying and in a way who's heard of russian roulette Okay, so Russian roulette, it's a gun, and it's a pistol. They take, they've got six bullets. They take five out, and they leave one. They spin it around, and they shoot at a target. Let's just say a target. I don't want to cause too much anxiety. Let's just say, say a, a little with red and white. And, and they're spinning it around, so every time... They press the trigger. You don't know if it's real. There's a real threat or just an imagined threat. And I think that's part of what happens to us when we're making decisions. We've got this mixture. We're not that good sometimes at telling the difference between what is a rational, real threat and what is something that is a product of our imagination or perception. 
Has anyone ever sensed that? You're like, I've got this stuff, but I've got to kind of work through it. Fear and anxiety can have a really big effect on our decisions and they cloud our decisions. Sometimes they paralyze us. Sometimes they're part of our procrastination. And sometimes we make really bad decisions based on fear. One of my favorite quotes from an American uh, author, uh, he says, when you get desperate, you get stupid. It's one of, one of my favorite things. When you get desperate, you get stupid. That's straight talk. And part of that desperation is fear. Now let's get to our big idea for the week, our second big idea of the series. And it's this. We make better decisions when we interrogate our fears. All right? We make better decisions when we interrogate our fears. And the reason that I would say this is because fears, that sense of danger, that is, that's actually part of our safety mechanism for life. We need to, our bodies, physiologically, we need to have safety. Sometimes that's psychological safety, physical safety, and fear, our sense of fear and danger is something that is helpful, okay? And so we don't want to dismiss that, but actually what we want to do to make better decisions is we want to interrogate our fears. We want to get to the truth of our fears. Who's ever seen that movie, A Few Good Men, all right? I want the truth. The fear says, you can't handle the truth. We're having a great morning here. (laughs) What we need to do is we need to get our fears and we need to take them to the witness stand and we need to cross-examine them and we need to poke them and push them to find out what is real and what is true and what is false. Agree? And so we need to have some, work out some interrogation techniques. What am I going to do with my fears? Am I going to do good cop, bad cop? All right? Am I going to use advanced interrogation techniques? Waterboarding? Probably not. But what I'm saying is we need to work out some ways. We need to work out some processes We need to work out a way where we don't just leave everything in this kind of giant mess of emotion and anxiety and fear, some of which is helpful and some of which is unhelpful. We've got to take that pile and we've got to sort it out and say, hey, this is something that is real. This is is danger. And this is something that is maybe not as big a deal as what I thought it was. So our guiding question, we have guiding question. How can I identify the specific fears and challenges of this decision? Are you okay that this is really practical, right? 
Okay, but I've got three more questions to interrogate fear. The first is this, what specific thing am I afraid of? What we need to do is we need to say specifically, what am I afraid of? I'm going to unpack this a little bit. The second is, what are the realistic consequences of this decision? Number three, where are godly people saying there is danger? Now, these questions, I think they're pretty helpful. I've road tested these questions myself. But it's not, it's not a bullet point checklist. It's questions that you sit with, you sit with God with, and you work through these. Now, as I said to you before, we planted this, this church, and part of the transition, uh, I was in a, another church, and God had spoken to Rebecca and I over a, a number of months and said it was time for us to transition to a new season. And so I took about three months off and I'm praying and I'm fasting and God rekindled the desire to plant the church. And so as I was thinking about that, Beck and I were talking, but I also connected with a couple of wise and godly people in my life. And one of those people said, hey, I think maybe you should wait until your kids were a bit older. Now, I just want to take a, a slight detour here and, and use this as an example. Now, what I did with that, I didn't ignore that, but I didn't pause what God was doing because of it. And I think this is important because as you get around wise and godly people, in the same way that you want to interrogate your fears, you want to get clarity, you also wanted, I also wanted to get clarity on the wisdom. And so what I did with that is I took that back to Beck and we discussed that and we prayed that through. So I didn't just dismiss it. I valued it. And I just wanted to add that because I think that's going to help somebody here. Another wise and godly person that I talked to was my dad. Okay. Love my dad. He's a bit unwell today. He was here setting up and uh, he's needed to go home because he's, he's a bit unwell. Love my dad. My dad's planted a number of different churches. I honor him. He's a person of faith. He carries such a vibrancy and a passion for Jesus as he gets older and older. That's so good. I love that so much. So he gave me this advice, which I think was encouraging. I'm still trying to work it out. But I think it was encouraging. And I think it's like that older school parenting you know, like the new school parenting where you're like, if you say to your parents, like, I want, I, I want to be a unicorn. And they're like, yes, you can be a unicorn. You can do whatever you want. The older school parenting is more like this. So, so dad said uh, to me, he said, he said, look, what's the worst that could happen? He said, you fail and no one comes to the church. And I'm like. I'm, I'm, and <laughs> I believe it, you know, it was just that. That was it. Realistically, what he was saying to me, and it took me a while. I wasn't totally dis 
courage, but I wasn't like on a high. <laughs> I know, I know he be- believes in me, but what he was actually saying is that I wouldn't lose anything of worth. Do you know what I mean? Like that, that's, that's real talk. What, what happens? Well, I take a risk, step out. No one comes to go do something else. That's, that's not losing anything of worth. If someone comes to you, a godly person, and says, hey, watch out, there is danger maybe for your family or for your marriage or for your, your legacy, you want to listen to that. But if someone just says, look, you might fail, your pride might take a hit, I think that's, that's the kind of thing. That's what it means to interrogate your fears. We need to get to the bottom of our fears. Sometimes we're afraid to commit to a current season, right? So you might have a new job or you might be in a relationship or maybe it's pretty common. You're you're in a new church and the reason once you push down on it, the reason that you're cautious and you can't commit is not the current situation. It's the previous situation. And if you're really honest you're not afraid of the future you're afraid of the past you're afraid of repeating the past this is this is what it means to push down into our fears because some of us we've had bad experiences anytime you are in relationship with a person whether that's in a um in a family relationship or in a romantic relationship, in a church, in a workplace, anytime there's people, the chances of you getting hurt are like, if you're in that, like 100%. Now, the level to which you get hurt, that's another thing. And I'm not saying that's okay. I'm just saying, what is it that you're afraid of? Like, what actually is it? And if you say, okay, I'm afraid of other people's approval. I'm not going to do this because I'm afraid of what other people will think who more specifically who are you afraid of often it's someone that doesn't like you doesn't believe in you but we need to understand and get as specific as possible about what's going on this is what it means to interrogate your fears you go you push on them and and our Okay, if you're afraid of other people's approval, who? Maybe it's one, two, three people. If you're afraid of committing to something in the current situation because of the past, what are, what are you afraid of in the past? And are these circumstances the same? Maybe they are. And maybe that's a sign that you should do something different. Or maybe they're not. And maybe you just need to allow yourself to move on. There is incredible power in getting clarity. Sometimes you're like, I'm just, I'm afraid of this financial decision that I'm about to make. And I'd be like, well, what is it? Well, I've just sold my house. I'm going to put it all in Bitcoin. (laughs) Maybe you should think about that. (laughs) Because the chances are you'll either be a 
billionaire or bankrupt. It's pretty pretty risky. I'm not saying it's going to go bad. I'm just saying you need to kind of push on it a little bit. Does that make sense? If you're like single and you're looking for a relationship and you're afraid of asking somebody out because they might say no, is that something that you want to allow yourself to be defined by? This is You go a little bit deeper. And this is what it means to interrogate your fears. Get really specific. Some of you may have noticed this, but I said there were five fears in Proverbs and I only put up four. Cliffhanger. Five fears and I only put up four. 23 verses. Let's do my maths. And we're going to say 19. 19 of them talk about a particular type of fear. A fear that the writer of Proverbs says is the beginning of wisdom. It's the fear of the Lord. It's the fear of the Lord. So here's what happens. You interrogate your fears. You find them all out. And then you take them to the Lord. And you say, God, what do you think about these? What's your sense? For me, that sleepless night, I was thinking about the the fear of man, the fear of people and, and not being able to provide for my family. You know what I did? I was like, those are real fears. I'm like, God, these are real fears. These are real things that are important because I don't want to burn bridges. And I've got a responsibility to my, my family, a godly responsibility to my family. And God just said, it's going to be okay. You need to, you need to make this decision. This is what it means to be in wisdom and to live life in reverence to God. And I want to say that there's no like there's no cookie cutter answers, right? If this then it's not mathematics. It's personal. And sometimes God is going to say, "Hey, that is a real danger. Don't do that." And we don't want to short circuit that. But other times God says, yeah, I, I know that's, that's real, but I want you to trust me. And sometimes he says, I want you to let go of that. So I interrogate my fears. I, I'm specific. And then I come, come to the Father, the loving Father. And I say, God, what do, you th- what do you think about that? Would you lead me? Would you guide me? Here's something really interesting about the Proverbs. It's really interesting. Read this from an author called Tim Keller. Right? The Proverbs is not just about how God guides, 
This is this is this is wow. The Proverbs is about who God guides. You ever read that when you read the Proverbs? Because God guides the people whose ears are attentive to the call of wisdom. It says wisdom is calling out. Wisdom is crying out. Are you going to listen? God guides the people who live life with a reverence to a higher power that aren't arrogant and say, I just want to do what I want. I just want things my own way. But they live with a deep humility. This is the blessing of life with a loving, close and personal God. In this moment, we're going to take a couple of minutes for the Holy Spirit to do His work. The personal, loving, healing, guiding work of the Holy Spirit. And so I just encourage you just to close your eyes. Holy Spirit, There's some people right now, you're, you've got some, some difficult things on your heart, on your life. And God's saying, I'm here. I'm here. I'm, I'm with you. In the same way a good friend sits with others in pain, God, God says, I'm here. I'm with you. Some people right now, the Holy Spirit is bringing things to you, past fears that are stopping you from enjoying your life and moving forward. Maybe it's past relationships, might be to do with family, might be to do with church, might be to do with employment. If that's you, just allow the Holy Spirit just to, just to actually heal you. It's not complicated, you just receive it. Wonderful Holy Spirit. Wonderful Holy Spirit. For some of you in this moment, some fears are going to fade. For others of you in this moment, some fears are going to become clearer. And God may actually say, hey, you're in a dangerous situation. You're in an unhealthy place. You need to, you need to get out of that. That fear, that sense that you need to move is from me. And I'm going to help you do that. If you think you're trapped, if you think you're powerless, I'm going to help you do that. And so God, we just release the Holy Spirit. The presence of God just all across this building in this moment. Why don't you stand to your feet? Thank you, Lord. receive the presence of God in this time.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we're so grateful for your presence in our life. Jesus, you are wisdom personified. And we are so thankful that you lead, you guide us. But also, God, you produce within us power to live. The love of Christ. The character of Christ. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thanks for joining us for this message. We hope that it has inspired you to follow Jesus. You can find out more about City Lights Church at city-lights.church.